Hebrews. We're carrying on our series looking at Hebrews 11, and this morning we're going to be looking at Abraham, and we're looking in Hebrews 11 and verse 8. So, for everyone who's a, a Christian here, there came a moment when you heard something about Jesus. It, it might have been, you, you might have had a dream and you saw Jesus in that dream, or you, you had a friend who said, let me tell you about Jesus. You might have been in a church meeting and you heard a presentation of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, that he's alive and he can save. There, there came a moment where you heard something and the Holy Spirit gave the gift of believing. Yes. Mm. And I still remember that when I, my mum had become a Christian and I remember Sunday night listening to Yongi Cho speaking about, ask God what colour bike you wanted. Be specific in prayer. You know, if you want a red bike, ask for a red bike. I, I got saved hearing that. I mean, I'd been to church and stuff and heard a bit, but actually my heart was opened in that moment and I got touched by the Holy Spirit and I thought, you're real, you're real. And uh, it was a couple of weeks later that I... I Kind of was weighing up the cost. Do I want to follow Jesus? But, some <laughs> <coughs> um, but really, he'd, he'd awoken me <laughs> listening to that talk about a red bike, and I and I, I trusted. And so we, we we have this moment where we hear something from the history that Jesus is God, yes. that He did walk the earth, that He did pay for our sins and our guilt and our shame and he died on the cross for us to pay the price for us and, and that then he, he did die and then he was rose from the dead and then he appeared to, to the disciples and 500 others and we hear something from the past and we trust it and we believe it because the Holy Spirit gives the gift of faith but then the life of the believer isn't just that we have a story that there was a moment that we trusted. It's not just, yeah, I, I'm, I've got this historical moment. It was May the 26th, 1987. I prayed a prayer. And, but it's the life of the believer is ongoing Amen. daily. I trust you. Yes. So I heard something and the Holy Spirit gave the gift of believing but then the life of the Christian, or the life of the believer, which kind of gives us a clue what our life is called to be, doesn't it? That we're called to be believers. <laughs> is an ongoing reliance and trust in God. That it's not just trusting something historically, but it's trusting something for the future. That the walk of faith, the walk of believing is hugely future-focused. Mm. It's a huge aspect of what it means to follow Jesus, is I'm remembering what you did, but most, most of my life, or in fact all of my life, is I'm living in the now, but it's always into the future. That when God speaks a promise, Amen. it means I want to do something in the future. I'm promising you something yeah that's what a promise is i i promise you say that to your kids i promise we will go there and in that moment you're not saying we are there i'm promising we're going there or i i promise that on your birthday 
we will buy you this, or I promise we will go to Madame Tussauds. We're not, it's not in the moment you say it that you're suddenly there in the waxworks. It's a future thing. It's, it's always future. So when God says something, it's about what he is going to do in the future. And then our inner response to that word is obedient action or obedient preparation. So in Hebrews chapter 11, it's person after person after person who hears a word and then has an obedient response on the basis that God has spoken. And Abraham is one of those. Um, Tim looked at Noah last week, build an ark, I'm going to flood the earth. Noah built it in obedience. It wasn't that in the moment God spoke, yeah. the rain came and you had the promise. That's right. And so Abraham, it says in chapter, in chapter 11, verse 8, by faith, by trust, or by believing God, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> and that's huge, isn't it? So, God says leave, you can read it in chapter 12 of Genesis. Leave your, leave your family, leave your homeland, leave everything you've ever known to go to an unknown place. Leave your security, change the way you live in totality just because you've received a word. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac, you know, who was his son, because Sarah and Abraham couldn't have a child, he was the gift, he was the promise, and Jacob, Jacob was Isaac's son, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. God says a word, and that's enough for Abraham. God said it. Abraham says, you said it. I'm going to pack up everything we've known. We're leaving our family. We're leaving Ur the Chaldeans. We're leaving our history. We're leaving everything. And I don't even know, need to know where I am going. All I need to know is I heard a word, mm-hmm. and you said it. Yeah. Mm. That's incredible. All I need is to know that what you spoke, all I need to know is it came from you. And then he packs up everything and goes to live in a tent. Leaves everything that was permanent to live a life that was so different to the life that he'd ever lived. And that's the life you and I have been called to live. The life of believers. (coughs) There was a man in the Victorian era who, whose name will come to me, I'm sure you'll probably shout it out as you you recall it, who who God has said, I want you to build an orphanage. And George George Muller, 
Thank you. <laughs> I want you to build an orphanage. And so he asks God for the money. And then he walks out of a time of prayer with God. And a little boy comes up and says, here's a penny towards what you are building. Or here's a penny towards the work of God. And George Muller said, at that moment, mm. I knew I had it. Mm. Yes. Amazing. Because I've got a word from God. Mm. I'm going to build it. And now the word has been backed up by a penny, which isn't the full amount to build an orphanage by any stretch of the imagination. And as a practical thing for us is, at what point do we move from asking and petitioning to celebration. Because yeah. yeah. if God has said it, yes, that's right. Do I need to keep asking mm. and petitioning and interceding for what I already have as a promise? Yes, good point. Amen. How much of our prayer life is actually a manifestation of unbelief? <laughs> How much of it really is worrying out loud and poor God has to listen to it. <laughs> I love what Bill Johnson said. He said, God listens to every prayer, even our grumbles and even our prayers that sound more like a three-year-old. He says, sometimes our prayer life reveals our immaturity more than our maturity. Yeah. That's true. And sometimes I wonder, totally different subject, is that why we struggle with prayer meetings? Because sometimes we're asking for what we already have a promise about. Maybe our best types of prayer needs to be, how can I build in preparation to what you want to do? Instead of asking, say, for 40 people to be saved... Wouldn't we be better um, making sure there's enough nursery space for, yeah. for lots of new believers who won't know up from down, who will come out of darkness into light, yeah. who will have no idea about who Jesus is and yeah. life in the kingdom? Yeah. Wouldn't our best prayer be for workers rather than harvest? Because yeah. the harvest is plentiful, it's the, the labourers that are few. So Abraham goes into this land and God says, this land is yours, but not yet. So the Canaanites are still living in the land. And he goes there and all the circumstances kind of contradict the fact that this is going to be your land. But he's sustained in that land because he has a word from God. And like as a church, just we have words from God about our community. Like, we're, we're going to carry buckets of the presence out into our community. We're going to percolate into our community. That God wants to bring us into a season of evangelistic breakthrough. That God wants to save all types of fish, one prophet said. These are really big prophets who have said it, and I've heard it multiple times. And God once said to me so clearly, if you want it, you can have it. Only if you want it. Because... If you want it, you're going to need to change a lot to have it. If you want it, you can have it. Speaking about this area. And sometimes 
No, every time we get a promise from God, the promise is surrounded by perplexing, contradictory circumstances. Mm. Every time. Mm. Yeah. Because it's, if it's a promise from God, it has to be something that you couldn't do without God. Yeah. If, if Otherwise, um, his glory is not made manifest in our weakness. Because it's a kingdom that reverses everything. Mm. It, it, the weak are made strong. It's those who are made um, sufficient <coughs> for this through the grace of God. So, let the weak say, I am strong. Mm. And so whatever promise you've got in your life, <coughs> it, it will be surrounded right now by contradiction and perplexing circumstances. It could be that God has said to you, I've called you to be this type of man and this type of woman, but you feel incredibly um, inadequate and incredibly weak and unable to do the very thing that God has said for you to do. It could be that God has said to you, I want to save people in your family, and, and the people in your family look a hundred million miles away for any interest or desire for God. Um, it could be that God has said something to you um, about nations you're going to visit and things that you're going to do, but you don't have the financial resources. It could be that God has spoken to you about your workplace and seeing people saved and freedom and transformation. It could be about your workplace. It could be about the work that you do or your business that you run that God has said, I've called it to be this and this and this. But at the moment, it's got no um, evidence of that whatsoever. The promise will always be surrounded by contradictory circumstances. So Abraham goes into a land and eventually God says, this is the land you're going to have. But it's full of, of nations, it's full of people groups. It's not his land in any shape or form. And the only way he is able to be sustained in that is that he has to keep coming back to the fact, I have a word from God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I have a promise from God. God has said he will do this. God 